Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome to 2018, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first episode of The Grind podcast for 2018. I'm Dave McClung, and glad to be back with you. And with me, as always, is my good buddy, Chad Luscious Grigsby. Hey, Dave. (laughs) Great to be here on the 2018 edition of The Grind. Yes. It is uh, about 20 degrees in central Arkansas right now, and a little bit of ice everywhere. Uh, Not a lot of ice, but a little bit. And uh, how is Centerton, Arkansas, Chad? It is uh, frosty, my friend, and uh, very cold. And, uh, you know, usually usually we don't have uh, northern-like winter experiences, but this has been a little bit of a Arctic uh, air here, so... We're ready for. We're already ready for flip flop weather up here. So. <laughs> yeah, we do have to give a shout out to our good buddy and team leader Tim Wicker. He and his yes. wife Lisa are in Harbin, China, visiting their daughter Rachel right now, and uh, who is an English teacher over there. And uh, we're complaining about twenty degree weather, and they experienced uh, twenty three below zero yesterday with a high of negative six. So we are whiny babies compared to what they're experiencing in China. So, yep. yep. Dave, that's not the only thing I've been known to whine about. So <laughs> I'm just, right. just preparing you for For those more of you whininess. who have listened to The Grind for any length of time, you know that uh, Chad and I both have a propensity uh, to whine. So uh, that's what you pay for, ladies and gentlemen. It's what you get. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we are excited to be back. And uh, as Chad and I were talking about how we wanted to kick off uh, the new year, uh, we decided to bring on a very special guest for our first episode of of The Grind and uh, someone who is near and dear to me personally. Uh, So I would like to introduce my dad, Paul McClung. Say hello. Well, well, welcome. I, I, I'm glad to be here, I think. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what these two guys have for me, and we'll, we'll, we'll see if I like this or not. <laughs> Dad is so excited that I've dragged him into this. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I'd love for you to see the look on his face. <laughs> Right yeah, if only this was a TV program. Oh, that's, oh, right. Yeah. that's right. I'm worn out just getting ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I, I tell you, Dad has, uh, I am a little bit biased, I have to admit, uh, but has spent uh, 60 years in ministry uh, as of this year, I think. Isn't that right? Yeah, last year. Last year was 60 wow. years. That's right. So this is 61. And uh, has... Uh, pastored since he was a teenager in both uh, halftime churches, bivocational churches, rural churches, urban churches, uh, suburban churches, small churches, large churches, (laughs) (laughs) blue-collar churches, white-collar churches. I mean, you name it. He's had the the full (laughs) spectrum of uh, pastoral responsibilities there. 
uh, from Arkansas to Kentucky. Yeah. And, uh, and so um, a- as we were thinking about what we wanted to do this year on the grind and, and you know, obviously so many of our listeners are, are young pastors and young leaders and, and uh, just felt like it'd be great to – you guys hear me quote Dad all the time. We just thought it'd be great to hear straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> and uh, so uh, uh, we think this will be fun. Hope you guys will enjoy it as well. So, so here's, here's where we're going to kind of start. Uh, you know, really, you know, with 60 years in ministry, there, there's, this could go on for a long time, this interview, but uh, we wanted to kind of touch on a, a couple of things I think would be kind of lessons learned, experiences that shaped ministry, things along those lines that, that all of us can learn from. So, so as you think back over 60 years of ministry, what what would be, you know, kind of a top four or five things that you've learned uh, over 60 yeah. years of ministry? Well, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the different kind of churches that I've pastored. Started out in, in two halftime churches. Each church met every other Sunday, except on oh. fifth Sunday. They didn't meet on fifth Sunday. Never did figure out why no one met on fifth Sunday, but they never did. <laughs> but my first church was... Uh, at uh, New Providence Baptist Church in Slaytonville, Arkansas, which is about uh, 15 miles south of Fort Smith, right on the Arkansas-Oklahoma line, had 13 members. And a little rural country church with a uh, uh, coal stove for heat, and and the nursery was a pallet on the floor near the, you know, fairly near the uh, stove. but that, that's, I, I treasure that. I really do because uh-huh. the things that you learn from those people that were there before you got there and they'll be there before you, after you leave. Um, they were kind. They were patient. You know, they, they let me make mistakes, say some really dumb things um, and uh, uh, laughed and patted me on the back and encouraged me. But what I learned in those in those small churches, <clears throat> you know, was just absolutely invaluable. Uh, just the, uh, the love for people and, and their love for the Lord and their faithfulness to the Lord didn't matter what size church it was. And then you, you move, you know, you know, through the ministry and, and uh, you know, the last church I pastored had 1,300 members, uh, you know, 400 plus in Sunday school and uh, a couple of churches that size <clears throat> and but you never for, you never forget those uh, uh, those people that 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 started you out that that were your encouragers yeah. but you know some of the things that you know that I've learned over the years one, one of the most liberating things I learned was I didn't have to know everything <laughs> yeah. Early on, I did. I, I thought I had to answer every question. I thought I had to have answers to everything. Most liberating thing I ever mm-hmm. learned was when I learned to say, I don't know. Yeah. But then make a promise <laughs> yeah. uh, to, uh, uh, you know, help them find it. You know, and it made me dig, it made me study, uh, made me work. So, um, so I learned that uh, I don't have to know everything. And then I learned that I can't fix everything. <laughs> And, and I thought I had to do that. I thought I had to fix every issue. I thought I had to fix every person, you know, every mistake. 
and uh, I, 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 I can't, um, you know, I can't, I can't fix anything. But I guess, you know, if, the, if there's one thing that, that I've learned is that there's, there's really not anything that will sustain you in ministry any more than your divine call. Um, you know, when, when, when things get tough, uh, things don't go right, uh, you get discouraged, uh, you, you, if there's any thoughts about do I stay in the ministry, do I keep doing this, that divine call will sustain you when nothing else will. And, uh. and you never forget that. You go back to that 15-year-old uh, experience where, you know, I was out mowing the yard. Uh, strangely enough, and and just felt like you know God was calling me into the ministry, and I was the most unlikely person in the world, in my mind anyway, for that. And 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 the truth is, you know, I kind of laid out the fleece. I, I really did. I I, I laid out. The fleece. I said, okay. I said, uh, when I get to church Sunday morning, I said, God, you're going you're going to have to you're just going to have to confirm it for me. You're just going to have to, you know you know, just something that can't be explained any other way. Well, my home pastor was Harold Plunkett, one of the finest guys. He was pastor of that church for 37 years, my home church. Uh, we wow. got to church on that Sunday morning, and he opened his Bible, and he said, would you turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, and I knew I had been had. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't afraid I was going to be swallowed by a fish, but I couldn't have told you another <laughs> word that man said. But I wow. knew without a doubt that he was talking to me. And, uh, uh -huh. and as a 15-year-old boy, uh, I surrendered to the ministry. And, and, and that call uh -huh. has never left. It has never left. And, uh, and it has sustained me when um, absolutely uh, nothing else would. So you uh -huh. know, those few little things that... Um, uh, you know that that you learn, and you just learn that people are people, and uh, and I'm one of these guys that loves people. I, I like people. I don't care who they are, you know what their background is or status in life or age. It doesn't make any difference. Um, but uh, you you just learn that loving people is probably as important thing as you got to ever do in your life. Yeah. Who are some of the people that kind of shaped you and impacted you in ministry, and what was it that uh, really had an impact on you? Well, Harold Plunkett, yeah. you know, my home pastor. Uh, I, I would find myself mimicking him. Uh, one, one, one thing, somebody asked me when I, when I baptized, I would raise my right hand and, and make the, the confession of faith. They said, why do you raise your right hand? I said, that's the way Brother Plunkett did it. <laughs> but, the, but there was just a lot of what he did and how he related to people uh, and how he, how he preached. Um, uh, it, it shaped you know, a, lot of, a, a lot of my ministry. Uh, I had some great directors of missions, uh, uh, Ford Gant, you know, going, you know, way, way back, uh, Hugh Owens in central Arkansas, um, well, Marvin Peters, even in, in um, uh, North Alaska Association, uh, guys that, that, uh, that love pastors and, um, uh -huh. and, and were encouraging to pastors and would, uh, 
you know, it, it would teach us, correct us when we were wrong. Um, but, um, but, you know, in, in college, uh, Vester Walber at Washita uh, was a great mentor, a uh, great encourager. Uh, uh, you know, in seminary, um, uh, guys like, you know, Clyde Francisco was one of my favorite professors, and he was a pastor's friend. And, and these guys, you know, they, they, they went a long way in shaping. They made me stand on my own two feet, made me think for myself. Um, uh, you know, not be shaped by uh, one individual, but, uh, you know, by a multitude of, of uh, uh, what you read and, and who you're around. But, um, but this, you know, a lot of pastors that I pastored with, uh, became, um, you know, mentors and staff members, even staff members, you know, just, mm. just, just great friends. Yeah. Brother, Brother Paul, I was going to ask you, you said you can't fix everything. Yeah. I think sometimes as pastors, even church planters, there is this desire to fix everything. How do you know what's able to be fixed and what you should just leave alone? Well, you have to you know, know your limits. You have to know who you are. Okay. Uh, where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. Okay. Uh, there, you know, there's some things that you know I think I'm pretty good at. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I can you know I can hold my own and and do it. But there's some things I just simply don't know how to do. So you pull around you people that do know how to do those and free them up to do it and empower them to do it. Uh, and uh, uh, and then there's you know. <laughs> There's just some people that can't be fixed. <laughs> 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 you know, you, 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 uh, there, there are, are, are situations that, uh, you, know, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to do it. And if I tried to do it, I'd make it worse. So right. I, uh, when I was, you know, you know, dealing with people and, and issues that, that, individuals or families face I know I know how far I can go I know where my limits are and I I had a a notebook of referrals people that I knew and trusted that I could refer people to Hmm. and um, uh, and and that that worked for me but I I kept a uh, a current uh, database of, of people that uh, that I could refer, you know, needs to that, that, that I, I just didn't know how to fix. I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, I've heard you say several times that in counseling, particularly couples, that, that you would go two or three times with them, and if it was not resolved within three visits, then you would refer them to a professional counselor. That, and, that's right. That's and, right. And, and I think that's important for a lot of young guys to understand, okay, you can't fix everything, know where your limits are, and then give yourself permission to hand somebody off to somebody more skilled. That's right. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to have all the answers. No. And, uh, uh, you know, even – the Apostle Paul said, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing the very things I yeah. hate. He knew his limits. He knew that he couldn't do everything well. Uh, and uh, sometimes I think we're, we're too hard on ourselves, thinking we have to be the answer for everybody. And well, and true. And, and then I also discovered that they don't expect you to have the answers. Right. The, the answers are within themselves. 
And, mm. and people that are, are skilled counselors know how to draw that out and help them find the answers within themselves. But uh, you, you look for, you know, for trusted referrals, people that you trust, people that you, you know, when, when I'd move to an area, I would look up people and I'd have lunch with them, uh, uh, local uh, uh, counseling centers or whatever. And, and I'd have lunch with them and said, okay, you know, I'm a pastor. I can't, you know, I know where my limits are. And uh, I'm, a, I, I'm a pastoral counselor. I'm not a professional counselor. Uh, say that right up front. Yeah. And uh, and then build a, a a network of people that can, you know, step in and do some things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you too, kind of following up on some of that. Uh, you talked a little bit about. Well, I heard you say things uh, that kind of made it sound like you've got a you had a humility, a teachability. You had a love of people. You knew your limits. I was going to see if you could help us think about how much of that was things that you're gifted in that are just part of who you are and your your character, and how much of that was like a skill that you learned over your years of ministry. Do you see what I'm asking? How much of it is? Yeah. And I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, you know, the, the, the way I grew up uh, – and I, I don't know what it was. Uh, you know, it wasn't so much that somebody was telling me what to do or how to do it, but I always wanted to be around people, helping people, doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to. Uh, uh, that, that's just who I am. You know, uh, <clears throat> sitting around doing nothing was never my forte. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And there was always something to do at home, but uh, you know, if somebody needed something or whatever, and you know, I just, you know, I just wanted to be there. But uh, education-wise, uh, you know, when I was a, a student at Washita, uh, my minor was in uh, in in uh, in psychology. Uh, everything I could learn about people and how what made people. Uh, do what they do and act the way they do and and uh, uh, and in seminary my uh, 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 well I had really two majors biblical major but my other was pastoral care uh, just and I did uh, some clinical pastoral care at Baptist Hospital Wow where I spent uh, uh, nine weeks uh, 40 hours a week you know just working as a as a chaplain and learning that and mm. and and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. And learning how to listen, um, what we called it back then was permissive listening, <laughs> where, where you uh, you give people permission to keep talking. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and again, it's back one of those things. I didn't have to have all of the answers, but to let them talk through whatever issue they had. And uh, and find the answers within themselves, and then you know guide them from there. But part uh-huh. of it is you know just my my nature, you know, it's just who I am. Uh-huh. But also, um, you know, what I chose to study in college and seminary. Yeah, it's great. That's great. Well, and at, you know, at the end of the day, you you kind of see in a theme here that I think. <clears throat> So I think some guys miss um, 
you know, that ministry is not so much about the preaching. It's not so much about the teaching. It's not so much about just uh, all the things that have to get done to make a big ship like a church run. At the end of the day, it's about people. And, and the more you can connect with people and walk alongside people and, you know, shape and be shaped by people, uh, the more fruitful the ministry will become. And uh, well, well I, I agree with that. And, you know, a good example of that, I went to uh, one church as a pastor and and, uh, and and I do hospital visits. I mean, I, I'm going to be there. Uh, you know, if a baby's born or somebody is having surgery, if they're going in at 5:30 in the morning, I'm going to be there. Um, and uh, you know, I, you know, I just want to be, you know, where the needs are at the time. And I had a staff member told me. He said, you know, he said, you know, you're in a church that does not expect you to be at the hospital all the time. And I said, well, that may be true, but I expect it. Um, you know, it's, it's something, you know, that's just who I am. That's mm -hmm. my ministry is, yeah. uh, is people. I love to preach. I love to teach. Uh, I enjoy that part of it. But my preaching and teaching will be a whole lot more meaningful if I'm out where people are. And if I'm, uh, you know, plugged in to you know, what's going on in their life. It's just pastoring people, you know. Uh -huh. uh, someone told me, you know, this would be a great job if it wasn't for people. <laughs> yeah, well, people are your ministry. I mean, that's, that, that's what this is all about. If you don't love people, you know, go wash cars. Yeah. Uh -huh. you, you know, go do something else. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. You, do, you just have to love people and, and, uh, mm -hmm. and be willing to be around them. Yeah, it's great. I had a professor at Williams and uh, Dr. Reeves, who was a great shaper for me and teacher for me, and and he he left uh, Williams Baptist College and went to pastor at Central Baptist in Jonesboro one time. And Dr. Reeves, I hope you don't mind me telling this story because I think it's great. <laughs> if you're listening to this, and uh, but uh, as he went to pastor, he you know was getting up in the ministry and you know people were starting to come to him with issues and counseling sessions and things like that and and he said i came home one night and told my wife he was working on a couple of writing projects and he said i came home and told my wife he said i can't get any work done he said i've got people in and out of my office all day long and he said i just can't get any work done and he said one <laughs> of the most profound things she ever said to me she said rodney what is work now and he said, it dawned on me that I was not a professor anymore. I was a pastor. Wow. And he said, I had not made the shift from teaching and studying and writing and all of that stuff to ministering and caring for people. And he said, she had to help me redefine what work was, moving from professor to, to pastor. And I thought, that, that's a great, great story there. Well, yeah, very similar story. There's a... Uh, a uh, college professor friend of mine when I was working with the state convention he called me one morning about 10 o'clock and he had gone from the pat from the um, uh, uh, college to a, a pastor and he called me about 10 o'clock one morning and he said uh, I need lunch and I said well I get hungry about noon he said I need lunch now <laughs> and he's a big joker and what but he wasn't kidding he you know he was uh -huh. hurting and so uh, 
I went over and picked him up at his church, and, and we went to lunch. And before we ever sat down, he looked at me, and he said, you lied to me. And I said, man, I said, I've never lied to you in my life that I knew about. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, he said, when I was a college professor, he said, I thought pastors were overpaid and underworked, and college professors were overworked and underpaid. <laughs> and he said, and dissimilar to what Dave just said, he told me, he said, I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning just to have some time to study. He said, there are committee wow. meetings. There are people knocking on my door. People complaining that the lights were left on in the fellowship hall last night, and there's gum under the front pew. And <laughs> and, uh, and huh. he looked at me across the table, and he said, this thing is killing me. Uh. He said, I'm dying. And I told him, I said, well, I said, look at it this way. I said, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you're going to bed at midnight, and you're you're spending all this time. I said, you're right. I said, you're, you're going to die. You, you, I said, it's going to kill you. And I said, but you just need to know that what's going to happen, the church is going to cry for about two days, get them a committee, and go get them another one. <laughs> and he looked at me yep. and he said, that's the dumbest thing you ever said to me. <laughs> and I said, well, that's what's going to happen. Yep. I said, they're just going to get a search committee and go find them another pastor. Yep. Yep. And you're going to be dead. <laughs> and, uh, well... He eventually went back into the college professor <laughs> role, <laughs> but he he couldn't make that he he couldn't make that transition. It was just so difficult for him because uh -huh. of the demands from every angle in the world. Yeah, and um, and he you know he just struggled with making that shift. So speak, speak a little to that then about how to how to maintain balance, whether it's your family in your ministry or your health in your ministry or your sanity in your ministry. Like how do you, cause they are, cause you're right. I mean, when yeah. I left uh, the church plant I was working at, they had my replacement net the next Sunday. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, which is great. Good. It was good. Yeah. 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 It was good. It was good for the church, but I mean, yeah. they didn't even wait, you know, eight days. So yeah. I, I uh, hear you. That's how important uh, you are. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that's great. I mean, that that was good for our church. I'm I'm tongue in cheek a little bit, but but you're right. None of us are you know irreplaceable. Help, yeah. So help us understand. You know, how do you give your life to something while at the same time not losing your life in the process? Okay, let me let let, let me talk about my four priorities. Okay, I have I have four priorities, and and and. Uh, I'm sitting here with my son, and he can tell you right up front, <laughs> I, I, I have not mastered these four priorities yeah. in 60 years. But yeah. this, there's, a, there's a little sticker. As long as I was a pastor, and even when I worked at the state convention, I had a sticker stuck on the front of my computer with these four priorities where every time I looked at that computer, I saw those. My number one priority is, is to be the man God wants me to be. And, and I, I learned a long time ago that I'm not smart enough. I'm not spiritual enough. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm just not any of that uh, enough to make it without a daily walk with the Father. Can't do it. Uh, so I have to be uh, the man that God wants me. My second priority is to be a partner to my wife. And I discovered, uh, you know, watching others and, and observing that uh, if I don't pay attention to my wife, somebody else will. And, oh. 
And no one has a greater responsibility uh, to love my wife and to uh, care for my wife th than I do. My third priority would be as a parent to my children. And uh, uh, I, I, <laughs> I learned that the hard way. I, I did. I, I, and, and, and Dave can tell you, I, <laughs> I, I would come home from work with a suit, white shirt, a tie on. He wanted to play catch. We're standing out in the middle of the street. I'm standing out there with a suit, white shirt, and tie on playing catch with my son. But what really, what really got me was our daughter was, um, oh, I don't know. She was probably nine, ten years old. I don't know, something like that. We were sitting in the den, 9, 9.30 at night. I'm reading the paper, watching television. My wife is sitting there doing her uh, cross-stitching, which she loved to do, and the kids were sitting in the floor playing. I don't know how many times my daughter said, Daddy, I really don't. To be honest with you, I don't want to know. What I heard her say was, Brother Paul, and I said, yes. I said, what do you need? And she said, it worked. And I wow. realized I'm sitting there late at night with my white shirt and tie still on, not listening to what my daughter was saying when she said, Daddy, but when she said, Brother Paul, I listened. Wow. And, uh, and from that day on, and I don't know if they remembers it or not, when I came home from work, when I came home from the church, I took my white shirt tie off and put my grubbies on. Yeah. And I realized that, uh, you know, that my kids didn't need the preacher to come home. They needed daddy to come home. So wow. that, that third priority is to be a parent to wow. my children. Uh, my fourth priority is to be pastor of my church. Now, that's way down the list when people look at it. But here's what I discovered. I discovered that if my relationship with God is right, my wife thinks she's number one in my life, and she's right. If my relationship with, with God is right, my relationship with my wife is right, my children will think they're number one in my life, and they're right. Huh. If all those other three are right, then my church thinks they're number one in my life, and they're right. But here's something else I discovered. I discovered that if pastoring my church is the number one priority of my life, I will sacrifice all of these others to do that and wind up losing all of it. Wow. And uh, so th those priorities guide me. Now, the truth is, I would go to bed almost every night knowing full well I neglected one of those. You know, I messed up. You know, uh, somewhere along the line, you know, during that day, I, I neglected one or the other, and you start making it up. And I'd make all of these promises. You know, I'm going to change my schedule. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to do this right, and uh, I'm going to write a book on how to say no one of these days. I just hadn't got time to do it. <laughs> you know. But, but those are the, the priorities that, you know, that have, uh, uh, you know, that I've tried to live by and uh, knowing full well that, that I had mastered them, not even yet, you know. Uh, even, even in retirement, I, str I struggle with some of that. Uh, so it, you just have to establish those priorities and announce them. 
And I, I would say, I would periodically uh, use this as a sermon. And, uh, you know, maybe once a year or even uh, every two years or whatever. But just to remind my people that, uh, you know, I'm human. You know, I'm a husband. I'm a parent. Uh, I'm a pastor. I'm all of that. Uh, and, and, and sometimes you just, you just mess it up. And you just ask for forgiveness and move on. <laughs> that's uh, that's some major gold right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it incredible. Is. <laughs> well, that and, and I'll say this too. Uh, you know, with all that, and Dad's always been, you know, my model for humility and teachability, and and uh, and I, you know, none of us get it right all the time. But you know, if there's any other testimony, to the fact that he got it right most of the time is not only are we sitting here at the kitchen table talking about this, but uh, I'm now going on 25 years in the ministry myself (laughs) and love the church and love people. And my kids love the church and love people. And so Mm. uh, so to have that, I didn't leave the church. I didn't run away from the church. And and, uh, because of some of that and, and how he kept those priorities in line, and uh, and now that's passed on to me to do the same thing, you know, with my kids and uh, uh, praying that I do half as good a job as he did with with us. And so uh, what uh, if you were to give one piece of advice to young church planners, pastors or any pastors of any age, you know, because we never stop learning. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one piece of advice that uh, you know, maybe you got or heard or that you think is, would be invaluable for somebody to hear, what, what would it be? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> uh, and we, we've already talked about it, you know, some is, is you, 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 have to, you, you have to love people and you have to love, well, my wife would, would, would say, you know, you have to love everybody the same. Huh. Um, uh, whether it's a you know a five-year-old child, <clears throat> uh, or whether it's a you know I did the funeral the other day for a hundred and four-year-old lady, wow. uh, it, it doesn't matter. But there's there's always somebody in your church sitting there that is just beginning; they don't know anything. And then there are those sitting there that know more about the Bible than you'll ever know. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, you, 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 you have to love, you know, again, it's just loving people of every kind of people, every age people, and, and to make yourself available to them, uh, approachable. Uh, some of the, the greatest experiences of my life when a four or five year old would want to come to to my office and sit down and ask me questions. <laughs> I'm t- I treasure that. I mean, you know, parents would say they're about to drive me nuts, you know, wanting to come and sit down in your office and, and talk to you. And I said, please bring them on, <laughs> you know. But it's, it, you know, you build, if you can build a relationship with that four or five-year-old, and I do children's sermons, you know, every Sunday. Sit down on the floor with them. You know, they'd be... Uh, my last pastor, there'd be anywhere from uh, 50 to 65 kids sitting in the floor with me down in front. And uh, my adults said that's the only part of the sermon they could really understand. 
<laughs> but I discovered that if, if they're comfortable coming down there, sitting down in the floor with me, when the Holy Spirit began to work in their life and they felt that tug of wanting to invite Jesus into their heart, they were just as comfortable to come down to the front and tell me that as they are to sit down in the floor with me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, young couples, you know, struggling with, uh, you know, building a career and building a family and raising kids and uh, learning how to deal with, with uh, uh, finances and just personal relationships. Uh, you know, just being available to them and sit down and visit with them and listen to them. But, but every age, you just, it, you know, it's, it's just, it's just loving people. Yeah. It, it really is. And uh, uh, if, if, if they know you love them, they will put up with poor preaching. <laughs> yeah. And they'll let you say dumb things that you wished had never come out of your mouth. <laughs> and you're going to do that sooner or later. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but they'll laugh with you. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll cry with you. Um, and uh, even just this week, uh, a young couple I married, oh my goodness, uh, 15 years ago. You know, I haven't, I haven't been their pastor now for, uh, well, I don't know, uh, 10 years. Uh, and uh, you know, the, the, the wife was uh, having some medical issues, and the doctor scared her to death, throwing out the possibility of that C word, <laughs> uh, that cancer word, and scared her to death. And, uh, and she, she called me and she said, uh, would, would you come to the hospital with me? Uh -huh. And, well, absolutely, you know. And, uh, but it, it, if you can build the kind of relationships, that it, it, it doesn't have to end when you leave there as pastor. Uh, you still have a friendship. You still have a relationship. But, uh, but if they know you love them uh, and genuinely care for them, uh, you know, they'll, they'll let you do about anything you want to do, you know, yeah. and join you if you let them. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's good. That's good. All right. See, that wasn't too painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, I, I don't know. It seemed like you even started to like it there at the end. <laughs> Well, I'll have to go take a shower now because I'm sweating so hard. That's what it is. <laughs> hey, at least you got a cardio work in today. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we've got uh, we've got a, a, a section of our podcast we do with everybody yeah. that uh, a lot of guys tell us this is the most challenging part. Uh, <laughs> okay. We call rapid fire. Uh, and uh, and so these are these are all the burning questions people want to know about our guests. And so, uh, so here we go. You ready? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. What What are the the top one or two books you've read in ministry that have had a huge impact on you? Oh my! <laughs> that, what What makes that hard is I'm not an avid reader. I I read to study. I read, uh, you know, in preparation for sermon, preparation for. Uh, 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 for, for, for Bible studies, but, uh, um, oh my goodness. 
<laughs> you got another question that's easier. <laughs> Some people get smart aleck and just say the Bible. Well, so. <laughs> that's that's true. You know, yeah. I, I spend more time there than I do anywhere else. You know, I've got a family that loves to read and avid readers and read volumes and volumes of books, and I've never been that way. Yeah. And uh, but uh, but I do spend a lot of time reading my Bible, yeah. and um, and uh, uh, and research and and, and study. I, I, that's that's where my love is. Yeah, yeah. that will work. That'll work. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> what about your biggest strength in ministry? Ah, uh, uh, just people. I you know just being with people, ministering mm-hmm. to people, pastoral care. Um, uh that that's where that's where my love is and what about a go ahead i'm sorry no go ahead uh you know just uh you know people that are 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 hard you know some some of my greatest joys have been some of these men that were just mean you know they don't they don't like the lord they hate the church and they hate god and all this kind of thing have a vocabulary that to make a you know uh, you know, a drunk sailor blush, uh, <laughs> but spending you know, I, you know, spend as many as you know, eight and nine years building a relationship with these guys, and finally uh-huh. seeing them come to know the Lord. Wow! Um, I love that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, that that that's where probably my greatest strength is. I I can hold my own preaching, but that's you know, pastoral care is where my heart is. What about your biggest weakness? In ministry. Administration. <laughs> you see where put, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Put, yeah. Put, put me in an office and close the door and make me do administrative work. You know, you might as well just, you know, cut my head off and bury me. Uh, and, and you know, that that's where you've got to pull people around you that can do those things. Yeah. Uh, I'm not good at that. Uh, mm-hmm. I can do it. I, I get out of my comfort zone. I, sometimes you have to do that. You have to mm-hmm. get in that administrative mode and, and uh, uh, you know, be the boss and, uh, and be assertive and whatever. But uh, uh, as, as soon as I can get out of that, the better. <laughs> you know, you know mm-hmm. I, 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 when I'm in those modes, the thing, you just let me out of here. Let me go make a hospital visit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, and, and that's where I get my relief. Yeah. I am my father's son. Uh, on <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, all right, favorite hobby or pastime? I got a hobby. Got a wood workshop. Make pens. I uh, writing pens. Um, uh, I learned a long time ago that you can't run power tools and think about something else. So it clears my mind. I, <laughs> I focus on that. And once in a while, I come out with something useful. But you'll make a pen out of anything, you know, out of acrylic, out of wood, found woods, uh, exotic woods, uh, antler, uh, briar root, you know. Some of the most beautiful wood is underground. You dig it up in that burl wood. But but uh, making pens and and, uh, and just piddling in my workshop, is that, that, that's my hobby. That's what I love to do. What about a favorite movie? Ah, John Wayne. <laughs> riding out in the sunsets, you know. <laughs> anything, anything Western, it, anything John Wayne. I- anything Western. <laughs> I've got probably 50 
uh, you know, CDs, DVRs, you name it, I've got them. And, uh, <laughs> whatever they're called. Yeah, whatever they're called. That would yeah. be DVDs, DVDs, Dad. you know. Uh, you can call it what you want, but if, if they're if they're riding a horse and shooting a gun, I'm watching it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, there's there's some there's some great lines in those in in those movies. You yeah. know, there really are. You 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 can you can learn some stuff. But but I I'm a, I'm a western movie fan, and uh, um, and and there's other there's other movies you know that I like. Uh, uh, I, I love that movie, the, the, the Beautiful Mind. Uh, uh-huh. I, 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 I thought that was pretty neat. And, uh-huh. and I thought it was pretty good that I figured it out before it was over. Favorite band, musician, singer? Uh, I'm a Josh Groban type uh, uh, music guy. I have a an iPod when I, I I'm a mall walker. I walk out at the mall every morning. I walk about two and a half, three miles every morning, and uh, I have an iPod, and and I've got everything on it. I've got everything from classical music to uh, I need a little southern gospel on there, but easy listening. Uh, um, uh, you know, like you know the you know the Josh Groban type music is is some of my favorite. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I grew up with a love of just about any kind of music. I don't like jazz, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never liked my music either. No, uh, <laughs> head headbanger ball has never really turned me on, <laughs> you know. But uh, but but I, you know, I love easy listening music. Is is mm. is, is my love. All right. All right. I could have answered most of those. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, uh, hopefully that wasn't too painful for you. And uh, this this was good. I, I know our folks yeah, are going to love this episode. Yeah. And uh, we just thought this would be a fun way to kick off 2018 yeah. and, and uh, sitting here at the kitchen table. And and uh, and so uh, thanks for, for letting us torture you and make you sweat for about 45 minutes uh, well it's been fun you know and 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 there's a you know there's a a lot of young guys out there that you know just entering the ministry and and uh, you know doing what i could never do you know start a church i i i could never do that I, that's that's just not me i i can take a messed up church and and work on it but I've got to have something to start with, but I, I, I just uh, have a, such a deep respect for these young church planters that are willing to devote their life. I, you know, one, one thing that uh, when I was thinking through this, at an ordination service of, of a preacher, I never will forget this, uh, there was an elderly lady came up to this young man and she said, I think it's commendable that you are willing to give up the joys of life and enter the ministry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I thought, what a profound statement. Because that's the way some people look at it. Yeah. You know. Wow. And sometimes family is reality. But uh, uh, to think wow. that we're giving up the joys of life to enter the ministry, and that is the joy of my life. Yeah. yeah. It, it absolutely yeah. is. And it has to be. 
And I just have, you know, such a deep respect for these, these young guys that are willing to, and with their families, you know, they, they, they're in this thing too, side by side. Yeah. Um, I just have a, a great respect for them and, and, and just love what they're doing. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Pops. Thank you. <laughs> Enjoyed this, I think. It was yeah. fun. It was fun. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Um, we, uh, we've got a few things coming up we want to put on your radar. Uh, our State Evangelism Conference is coming up January 29th and 30th at Geyer Springs. Uh, for you guys in the state, uh, come join us for that. We're going to have a hangout time with church planners on Monday night for dinner uh, for that. And so we're excited. Uh, Jim Cimbala is going to be there preaching. Robert Smith from Beeson Divinity Schools, always a highlight. Uh, yep. You won't want to miss him. Uh, John Metter, Wade Morris, good good lineup of preachers and just great hangout mm-hmm. time with other pastors and leaders. And and then we'll, we'll hang out as church planners on, on Monday evening, so don't forget that. Uh, we've got, uh, once again, Neil Cole coming in April, 19th and 20th. 19th he'll be in northwest Arkansas, and the 20th he'll be, uh, we've got confirmed, at City Church in Conway. And yep. uh, that's going to be a great uh great event there with neil uh, chad you got anything you want to say about that one yeah we uh i think we narrowed down the topic starting a disciple making movement so uh, neil's going to be talking extensively about disciple making he uh created the ltg uh, life transformation group system of discipleship he's he's done it he's a practitioner he's seen uh disciples being made and then multiplied so i think it's going to it's going to be a great topic for every church in Arkansas, especially, you know, church planters, but anybody and everybody who's in any age-graded ministry or anything. So we're excited about that. And uh, Neil's just a, just a fascinating guy. Uh, pick up his book, Organic Church. Read that before. It'll it'll be great. But, yeah, we're looking forward to having him. Both events are the same. So come to North, you know Northwest Arkansas if that's closer for you, or if Central Arkansas is closer, that's great. Uh, but same same program, same content, just two different locations for convenience. So yeah, yeah. If you've not read anything by Neil, uh, Organic Church would be a great place to start. Uh, Cultivating yeah. a Life for God is his book on the life transformation groups and how to do those. Great stuff. Uh, Primal Fire is kind of his unpacking of Ephesians chapter four. Uh, I mean, he's got so much good stuff and is just such a humble. Uh, brilliant brilliant guy and uh, you guys do not want to miss that and we'll have neil on the podcast coming up here in a couple weeks uh, a couple months as well uh, working on a date for him and so he'll be on here so you'll get a little preview of what he's going to do on that podcast and uh, uh so we're real excited about that and uh next episode we've got bill elif coming up uh, my pastor at summit church in north little rock and we're going to talk about uh, his book, Present Centered Church, and what all that means, and and how to cultivate uh, Christ's presence in your church, and uh, uh, and the prayer ministry of some, and how they've developed that over the years, and so that'll be a great time. So some fun stuff coming up. Uh, finally, going to get Alan Hirsch on the podcast in May. Set that date yesterday. Uh, Alan, so excited to uh, to get on here with him, and uh, uh, you will love that. He's a blast. Uh, to talk to and so fun stuff coming 
Uh, excited about 2018, and uh, hope you guys will hang with us and, and enjoy another year with us as we keep on a grinding. So till next time, adios, mi amigos. Keep grinding.